Anyway, my name is Nick Reed. Um, our team launched out of here uh, March 11th, 2018 to Plant City Point Church in Urbandale. So we're still this just bundle of joy, right? And with everything that goes with that, like the dirty and wet diapers and the staying up all night long and the, uh, the extra long stress walks and all of it. But Man, we, I tell you what, in the, in the midst of all of that and just listening to everything that's already been said um, in this conference, we're, we're just so grateful for what God is doing and has done, and we look forward to what he's going to continue to do. And a common theme was this, that, man, I, I had, like, three years ago, I had no idea I would be doing this. And I had no idea what God had in store for us. I had no idea what God had in store for our family um, and it has been a crazy ride. But I can tell you this, when you choose to be all in for the gospel, it just becomes a crazy ride. But it's a crazy worth it ride, you know? And so, um, and I, I've been tasked with unpacking multiplication under your roof. So to start that off, I'm going to go to the Bible. And uh, I really like to do things that uh, physically show a heart condition, okay? So because we honor the Bible as holy and we honor um, God's word as our authority, I want to have just everybody stand up as we, uh, as we read scripture. And all I'm going to do is read from 1 Peter. I'm going to read excerpts from the entire Bible, I mean from the entire book of 1 Peter. <laughs> Not the entire Bible. First pitch, right, Carlos? All right, so I'm going to read these. And as I read these, I'm going to be jumping around, but I want you to either close your eyes. Um, you could try to follow along, but you'll get lost. I just want you to hear this. And as, as I read, I want you to think of these verses. And if they are true, and we believe that they are because the Bible is true and the Bible is right, I want you to think what are the implications of these verses being true for you being all in to what you're about to hear? Like if you are all in... For what you're about to hear, what are the implications of your life? And my prayer has been that God would afflict the comfortable here tonight, and he would comfort the afflicted, and, and, and that the Spirit of God would begin to uh, just to move you, to be a little more all in than you are right now, right? And so let's read together. I'm going to start 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. As you come to him a living stone, rejected by people but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built 
to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Who then will harm you if you're devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. And here it is. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one has received a gift. Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. Let me read that again. So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Father, I just pray that you would help that to sink in. Father, that, that the gospel is true and the implications of the gospel for how I live my life, God, is that I, I surrender everything. That I give everything for the sake of the expansion of the gospel and for the, the world to know that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life. Father, I just pray that you would move our hearts to that tonight. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. So multiplication under your roof, why? Well, for us specifically, God made it very clear to us, to Heather and I, that he gave us the house that he gave us to be used for his kingdom and for the expansion of his kingdom. So, I'm going to describe for you a lot of things that God has done in our, our life 
um, things that he has used our home for, things that he's called us to do with the things he's given us. I want you to see that as descriptive. I'm going to describe a lot of things to you tonight. But I don't want you to hear that and be like, oh, just because they did it, now we got to go do all these things exactly the same way. And I don't want you to feel that. I don't want you to feel that guilt. I don't want you to feel that weight. But what I do want you to feel as a prescription is that you take a good look at everything that God has put in your hand. And you're able to say, how am I going to use whatever that is for the expansion of the kingdom of God? So our journey went a little like this. Since Heather and I have been married and lived in Des Moines, we've lived in four different homes. And in two of those homes, we had uh, guys live with us. Okay, And one guy actually moved from our first home to our second home. He helped me remodel the whole thing and uh, moved with us. And another guy lived in a different house with us. Needless to say, when you have people live with you, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this, but you have highs and you have lows in those relationships, right? But the, 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 the spiritual and mental bonding that happened when we were together, living life on life, made those two guys two of our best friends to this day. One of them's in the Virgin Islands serving with some nonprofit organization. We don't see him a lot. But I can tell you, he's one of our, our greatest friends. He's one of our, uh, the joys of our life. And then the other one is actually part of our church planting team. It comes with highs and lows, right? In our third house in southwest Ankeny, we had, uh, I, was, I was a youth pastor at that time, and we had a group of 15 or so high schoolers stay at our house. And we were doing a local missions trip to Freedom for Youth, okay? So we had all the guys staying in, the, in, the, in the, the, the main level and all the girls staying in the basement, okay? So they're at our house. I go to sleep exhausted that night. I don't even remember what we did that day. First morning that they've all been at my house, I wake up. Slept great. I just slept like a baby. I come downstairs just like everything is normal. And I actually kind of was delirious enough to almost forget that all these kids were at my house, right? So I go and I get my... Uh, my breakfast, I sit down at the table like I always had, and like it is natural to take out your phone and just start scrolling through Facebook, natural, not necessarily healthy, just sinfully natural, okay? And I, I, I start scrolling through, and I see one of the high school girls from our youth group, all her things said on my newsfeed was, and she broke the bed, exclamation point, right? And I'm like, oh, that stinks, Wait a minute. She's at my house. Wait a minute. She's in my basement. And she broke the bed. So I was like, okay, I'm going to play this, all right? So they come upstairs. Hey, girls, how's it going, man? You guys all sleep good? I hope that bed was comfortable, right? Yeah, it was great and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm not telling them. Like, I, I'm not fixing that thing. They're going to they're gonna have to deal with it on their own unless they confess it. So we just kept going with the conversation, and I kept just, like, poking and poking and poking. Eventually, they confessed it. I went downstairs, and the bed is like this. I'm like, what did you do to get the bed like this? Oh, we were jumping on it, right? High school girls jumping on the bed in my house, all right? I was a little bitter. I fixed the bed. They slept great the rest of the week, whatever, right? Not too long after that, Heather had been praying. When, Heather, when my wife prays, dangerous things happen, okay? Just awesome things, but dangerous things happen. So she starts praying, man, God, how are we going to reach all these kids in our neighborhood? 
We lived in Southwest Ankeny in the Glenbrook Park neighborhood, and there was just a ton of kids. God, how are we going to reach these kids? Okay. And I, I remember uh, a night specifically, my son Micaiah, who is here right now um, with us, he sat down with us. He starts asking us a bunch of questions about God, about Jesus. Um, we, we talked about hell. Um, and it was an amazing conversation, and he actually came to the point of salvation that night, and he gave his life to Jesus, okay? So the next day, he gets with his brother, his older brother Judah, and he's all excited about this. Well, if this is true, i got to tell my friends about this, right? And we did not necessarily plant this in his head to do. So after school, Heather and I are seated on our uh, living room couches, and we look over, and one of the boys has just cleared out our pantry and has got all these different snacks and food in his hands, and the other one's got a stack of Bibles. And we're like, what are you guys doing? Oh, uh, we're just going to start a Bible club, like with our neighborhood friends, we're start a Bible club. And Heather, okay, thank you, Jesus, gets up, Right And says, hey, you guys don't have to do it on the trampoline. Come into our house. And in that moment, I heard those words, and I was like, no, no, not into our house. She didn't only bring them into our house. She brought them into my favorite room in the house, okay? And all of these kids are there, and uh, she just starts teaching them from the Bible, right? That happened every, was it Tuesdays in Ankeny? That happened every Tuesday for the next two years that we lived in Ankeny. By the time we left Ankeny, that group had grown to about 15 kids, okay? But then we felt like God was calling us to move to Urbandale. I was at a church in Urbandale at the time serving, and we just felt like, yeah, we, got, we, we need to move into the city where we're doing church. God was very clear on that, and we did not want to go, right? It was hard for Heather and I, and it was hard for our kids, and God said, you need to go. So, after a, a night when we left, just tears and crying, and it was a struggle, we went, we moved to Urbandale. And so Heather starts praying again, God, should we do this Bible club thing in Urbandale? Okay? With a little hesitation just because of the pain of the move, and we didn't really like our house at first. We didn't really want to be there. There was a lot of like, God, why would you move us? We were in our dream house in Ankeny, right? One day, Heather and I were sitting in our living room, and we look the same, almost probably the same direction we did when we looked in Ankeny, and we see both of our boys with a stack of Bibles in their hands. Hey guys, what are you doing? Oh, we're starting a Bible club. Thank you, Jesus, right? I guess it's time. So they had made some friendships with some of the kids in our neighborhood, and they went and they gave them Bibles, and then the next week, 10 kids came to our house for the first Urbandale Bible Club that we ever had. Last week, 60 kids packed into our living room. Right? Talk about a heartburn. Right? 60 kids packed into our living room, 50 of which walk up the street every Wednesday after school from the public school that is a quarter mile down the hill from our house, and 10 to 15 of them come from a different Urbandale school district. Their, their parents drive them in just to be a part of this Bible club, right? And then we're like, we can't fit any more kids in our house. Like, literally, we cannot fit any more kids in our house. We can't fit any more kids because if we're going to put more kids, we need adults, and we can't fit more of any of them. So what are we going to do? We met with um, 
a guy named Chase Abner. He's actually the church planning catalyst for uh, the Baptist Convention of Iowa. And we said, hey, like, what do we do? And he said, you need to multiply Bible club. Right? Well, if you're going to multiply Bible club, we thought, man, we could rent a facility. We could do all this stuff. But we wanted these things to be home-based ministries because deeper, more inside your life-on-life ministry happens inside a home. And so we just started praying, all right, God, we, we want to multiply this thing, but we have no idea how to do that. Well, in the first week in November, in a week or two, we're starting another Bible club on the other side of Urbandale in a lady's house from our church that had been praying about starting it there. So 15 kids are going to be sent from our Bible club to start a Bible club there. That one's going to be able to grow. Ours is going to be able to grow again, and we're having conversations of starting another one for the older fifth graders in the morning. That one's going to be able to grow, and it has just become like this mini version of what we want to see happen with our church, but it's also a mini version of what has happened here at First Family. Like, you guys are here, you go there, you go there, you go there. That's how multiplication happens, right? And I never thought when we start a Bible club, well, I didn't really have anything to do with it. When my kids and my wife start a Bible club, that that's what it would be, right? And so then over the last two years, we've also been able to in- invite people into our home and take a group of 30 to 40 people through a discipleship class, class in our home. Uh, that eventually became the church planting core team for City Point Church. Right? And I don't say all this for you guys to look and say, man, that's awesome. How do you guys do it? You can brag on my wife and kids because sometimes I look at my wife and I'm like, I really don't understand how she does it. Just keeps on going and going and going. And it's a struggle sometimes, but she just keeps going. But what I do want you to want to let you in on is the journey that God had to take me specifically Right? From high, high anxiety, right? High anxiety thinking, how in the world, like, are we going to survive this? Like, when neighborhood kids would come over, and I just, everything would just like, oh, this is my house. They're going to destroy it, right? Like, get off the back of the couch. Like, stop playing dodgeball on the kitchen table. Hey! Knives are for cutting food, not throwing, right? I'm serious. All this stuff happened, right? And now in my basement in Ankeny, there's a small boy-sized hole in the wall. And so instead of fixing it, I thought, um, well, we're just going to put a big piece of plywood over it because that's indestructible. Have them hit that. They won't hit it again because it'll hurt, right? These things happen. And how did I go from... Being anxious every time somebody not a part of my family came in my home to now I'm excited every single week to have 60 kids in my home and like even to hear my kids say, man, dad, I'm getting a little tired of my stuff getting broken, right? The first time you hear that, you're like, all right, it's over. Done. No more kids in my house, right? It actually just gives a good uh, platform from which you tell them, hey, is this our stuff anyway? Like, who gave this to you? How are we supposed to use it? Well, I can tell you this. If what I just read 
in 1 Peter is true, that we are born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. So we are called to be holy, living out sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. We are living stones of the temple of God and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, becoming a royal priesthood in God's kingdom, called out of darkness into his marvelous light receiving his mercy and grace, therefore called to submit to all authority in Jesus' name, all the while proclaiming the gospel of Jesus on the platform of suffering and service, giving gifts in the form of God's grace in in what we have been given in order to see the expansion of his kingdom. If that's true and we believe it is true, then I had to take a big-time look at how I held on to the things that God had given me. How much value did I put in the possessions and even in my own home that God had given me? Was I going to hold those things with a closed fist or was I going to have an open fist to say, God, do whatever you want with them? If I'm supposed to be hospitable, like Jesus was hospitable to us, Jesus was gracious to us, Jesus let us in. If I'm supposed to be hospitable with my life, with my faith, right? then I had to make a choice. So I want you to do something. I just want everybody to hold their hand out like this. okay? And I want you to just picture everything that God has given to you, whether it be your home, your vehicles, uh, possessions, whether it be natural talents, spiritual gifts. Just look at your hand and take a mental inventory of everything that is in your hand, right? And you got two choices. You can either hold it like this and say, God, thank you for all that you have given me, right? I know it's from you. And I know you can do a whole lot more with it than I ever could. So I'm going to be faithful with whatever you put in my hand to be faithful with. But you can freely use it however you want to use it. And if, I, if you want me to be the vessel, right? Like Carlos said the other night, who's going to say, send me? Who's going to say, use this that you have already given me? Right? And then God takes it, and he can do way more with it than I ever could. Or we can go like this and say, God, we can even thank God for these things. Thank you for all that you have given me, but it's mine, right? And here's what I've experienced. It's God's anyway, so when he wants to use it, it's just going to hurt when he has to pry my fingers open to take it and use it the way he wants to anyway, right? We've got two choices. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, 11, 12. Pictures this time when all believers will stand before God, will stand before Jesus, and it won't be this moment that is about our sin because at the cross, our sin was taken care of, wiped away, removed as far, as, uh, as far away from us as the east is from the west. Right? It won't be about our sin, but everything that we ever did here on earth will be tested by fire. And it says those things that survive the fire, gold, silver, precious stones, the things that you did for the kingdom of God and with eternity in mind, those things that survive the, fu- the fire, you will be rewarded. 
But everything that does not survive the fire that burns up the wood, hay, stubble, the things that you did uh, with selfishness on your mind, with earthly treasures on your mind, with selfish ambitions, you'll get into heaven because of your confession of Jesus as Lord and Savior, but you will suffer loss because you spent all your time pursuing the things of the earth, and they're going to be gone. <laughs> I cannot take my stuff with me. And I had to wrestle with that. Like, my home had become my fortress of solitude, right? <laughs> my space to relax, to let down. When the doorbell rang, boom, nobody move, right? Get below the window line. Turn off the TV, muzzle the dog, do not answer that phone. I mean, do, do not answer the door and don't answer the phone if it rings. Nobody's coming in this house because this is my space, right? My home was my refuge, but Psalm 46, 1 to 3 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil. See, when turmoil hits, we run to our things of fortress. We run to our homes. We run to our possessions. We hide behind these things that are earthly and man-made. But instead of seeing those things as given to me so that I can be protected by them, God is my fortress. Jesus is my fortress, and it totally frees me up to say, here you go, God. Whatever you want to do with all that you have given me, with all that you've put in my hands, here it is. Romans 12, meet people's needs, pursue hospitality, be peaceful, live in harmony, let your life be open to those around you. And God began to shift my priorities. And here's the thing. He didn't shift my priorities before all these things started taking place in my house. He shifted my priorities by putting me in a situation where these things could happen in my house. My wife was very intentional about saying open door policy, right? And now there's probably um, non-read residents in my home every single day, right? Sometimes I'm even afraid to, like, if I come out of the bedroom, I have to be fully dressed, right? You never know who's going to be there, right? So that, to me, is like, whoo, God, you're my refuge. If I come out, <coughs> clothe me. I don't know, Right? But you get what I'm saying. God's my refuge, not my home. I'm just a steward of it. I hold it with an open hand. God can do so much more with it than I, am, than I can. How am I, how are you using what God has given you as a weapon for the gospel and the advancement of his kingdom? And I say, but, but whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like letting people into my home... And that proves to be messy 
Literally, if you have ever had 60 kids in your house, you've smelled things that are not natural, right? I'll tell you, it's like running into a physical wall. Stanky, all right? But on the spiritual level, like, I got to let people into my home. That's my domain. That's a, that's a reflection of who I am on a physical level. The deeper I let people into my home, like just beyond the entrance to the, to the front entrance, to the mudroom, to the living room, to sitting on my couch, to eating my food, man, that's vulnerable. But let me tell you, when you start to get to the place with your own possessions and your own home and the things that God has given you where you can be vulnerable and free with those things for the kingdom of God, God will use that in your life to open up your heart to people as well. And man, I'm, I'm celebrating tonight because just Heather yesterday with a woman from our church sat in our living room and for a couple hours talked about who Jesus was, talked about her need for Jesus. And I called Heather after that, and I said, hey, how'd it go? She said, they're throwing a party in heaven, because you know when they throw a party in heaven? When somebody gets saved, right? I can tell you this, that Satan loves it when our earthly possessions become the thing that isolate us from community. He knows the truth of Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants us isolated and he's gonna use your stuff to isolate you from the world around you right but to let people in to your world on a physical level is a vulnerable thing it's hard but it's worth it but let me warn you it is a process it's one that you're gonna get discouraged with it's one that along the way like we've had we've wanted to see results like we're opening our home to people we got you want to see results right and so I sat down with a pastor friend of mine last week, and he said this. He said, you know, we always want to see results now. That's just how we're wired. But, but allowing God to have full use of all that he has given you for the expansion of his kingdom, all that is is a cultivation of the ground in people's lives. So guess what? When they are ready to make a change, when they do hit rock bottom, when they've got nowhere else to go, where are they going to go? They're going to go to where they've been loved. They're going to go to where they've been shown hospitality. They're going to go to where they have actually seen the hands and feet of Jesus at work, right? And, and this lady who got saved yesterday, her kids have come to our Bible club for a little while, but we've known them through soccer for many, many years, right? And my wife and kids and just through all of that, have shown hospitality. And that conversation happened in our home, and it led to this woman's salvation, and there's a party going on right now, right? Sixty kids connect us with parents every single week. All because, like, God, just use, use it. Use it. So here's the thing, be patient, be faithful. Take a good look. What's in your hand? Be faithful with that for the gospel. Jesus is your refuge on the way, and God's grace is sufficient for you beyond all 
the things that you would seek to, to escape from the troubles of this life. Opening your home, your possessions, your life to people is hard, right? But it's also oh so joyous, and it's worth it.